I'm Liz Wessel, co-founder and CEO of Way Up. You're listening to our podcast, On the Way Up, where I talk to industry leaders and innovators about how they got started. No matter what your career path, you had to start somewhere. From side hustles to first jobs, we're talking all about making the first career move and what it's like on the way up. If you're a computer science major deciding whether you want to take the software engineering path or the product management path, this episode's for you. Our guest today will tell you how he went from computer science student to test engineer at a startup to MBA student and then product manager at Google. Matt Ross is a good friend who most recently became a product manager at Google in New York City. Prior to that, he led product partnerships at Verizon after graduating from the Ross Business School at the University of Michigan. Prior to getting his MBA, Matt was a test engineer at multiple tech companies in L.A., and prior to that, he attended UCLA, where he got his degree in math and computation. Like everyone else on the show, Matt had to start somewhere. Today, we'll be talking about how he went from computer science student to product manager and what made him decide to take that career path. Welcome to the show, Matt. Thanks, Liz. So what does a product manager exactly do? I would imagine that you might talk to your parents or, or some of the older folks and say, oh, I'm a PM. And they might say, oh, that's so nice. I have no idea what that means and no no understanding of it. Explain what a PM even does. A lot of people describe a product manager as the CEO of a product. And I actually really don't like that description. A CEO has everyone reporting to them. They can hire, they can fire, they can say this is the way this is going to happen and everybody really has to listen or leave. Product manager has nobody reporting to them. You are beg borrowing and stealing everyone's time to try to set the vision for a product to make it successful. What I consider a good product manager is being the voice of whoever's not in the room. So to marketing, you're responsible for getting engineering's opinions across. To engineering, you need to be responsible for sales and marketing. And to everyone, you need to be the voice of the customer. And if you're doing that well, you're setting the roadmap and the vision for the, the product to be successful. I, I think that's my favorite way of describing it I've ever heard. But that also must mean you have to have insane interpersonal skills and communication skills. What if someone doesn't necessarily have those skills quite yet. Any good advice for even how to get those? Read. There's a lot of good literature. Like what? Um, how to Win Friends and Influence People. It's still one of the high, most highly recommended books 100-something years after it's come out. You'll get really relevant uh, references like what Rockefeller used to do, but... It's still a really good book on just how to get people to listen to you and your opinions. Um, there's a lot of information on just product management in general. And developing your empathy so that people you understand where people are coming from. And also developing your expertise. Because if you show that you're smart and right and getting things done well, people will just tend to respect you in general. So Matt, let's go back to UCLA day. You have to think about your career, right? So I know a lot of computer science students or math students try to figure out what path to take right out of college, whether they want to go QA engineer or test engineer or software engineer or product manager. How did you make that decision to start with the test engineering path? I was a lot less thoughtful than a lot of people were at that same time. Um, 
I had only recently switched to being a math and computation major. I was a chemical engineer before and did that for a while before realizing that I didn't want to be a chemical engineer after school. So I was new to the major, didn't have a ton of computer science experience, and wasn't really sure what I was going to be doing for the summer, and was most likely looking at just doing summer school um, to try to catch up on some of the classes as being a late switch. It was pretty coincidental that I got into uh, the startup, which is it's now, now called Factual, but it was really its early days. It wasn't even really named yet. Um, that they reached out to a family member of mine uh, to see if he was interested in an engineering role. And he said, no, but I know somebody that might want an internship. Um, initially, they said no. And then they said, well, it could be good to try this out. Um, so I went in, started talking to the CEO and founder, who was another math person. And after a day of running through computations and permutations and doing the little bit of coding I knew of writing up some classes for linked lists on a whiteboard, they decided to take a risk and give me an opportunity for the summer. Great. So you did that during college, right? Yeah. So this was, uh, I actually worked there for two summers. Um, The first summer I came in not really knowing at all what I was going to be doing, just I had some sort of internship for the summer and came in. They didn't know what they were doing either. Uh, They didn't have a laptop for me on the first day. (laughs) So my first project was to go to Best Buy and pick out a laptop for myself and then get it up and running. Um, The languages that I knew in computer science were not any that they used. So the first week was just me learning Java, uh, Ruby on Rails, to try to understand a little bit more of how they do their programming. And the role itself was not engineering as in building the product. I was a test engineer, which meant that I was building things that would automatically test the newly deployed code to make sure that the active engineers weren't breaking things. Great. So you went from test engineer at Laserfish, um, your first full-time job coming out of college, to project manager there. Walk me through what it was like to make that transition and why you even did. As you could probably tell, I didn't necessarily have a whole path in mind. So I was an engineer. I did that for the two summers. I found Laserfish through a career services randomly uh, on campus and got a role and took it. Um, I was again a test engineer and coding was not my favorite thing to do. Uh, It got me a job, but it was never something I was truly passionate about. So the more that I was doing it, uh, the more I was trying to find excuses to be doing some other things that were a little bit more interpersonal uh, and really guiding teams. So I started creating opportunities for me to do more of that. Uh, That started with you know, jumping on to things like internship projects where I could take a little bit more active role because there was less risk involved. And eventually... And when you say internship projects, you mean like coordinating, coordinating the internship program? Yeah. Cool. So I was actually the intern coordinator there, uh, 
helped to place all the interns on their teams. I had one of them working with me where I was the product manager for it, which was where I got to be product manager for the first time, which is really just me trying to find ways to do other things. So you almost just created your own side projects while being a test engineer to get experience in other areas. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and and that's a benefit, I would imagine, of being at a startup versus a larger company. Yeah. And to Laserfish's credit, they weren't a startup in the way that we think of startups. They're not venture-backed. They're small. They're 200 people, but they've been around for 30 years. Uh, so they were a little bit more nimble than you might see in some of the larger companies, but they were also a pretty established company. The way that I really then took advantage and made that full pivot was starting to take a bigger, wider lens at some of the development work that we were doing. So as an example, there was a time that I got a feature that I was supposed to be writing code and testing around. And I looked at the feature and just asked, why does this exist? Not only what is the consumer use case for it, but how are they going to find it in the place that it's located? Who put this on the roadmap? This was a lot of development hours required, and it was going to be more hours for me to test it, and none of it really made sense. And I asked around to a lot of other teams of people in similar positions to me and saw that this was pretty consistent of a problem that came up. So I took this as an opportunity to say, let me do something a little bit more strategic. Let me try to reorganize how we're doing some of our development work. And that I, I came up with a whole idea of how to do this, reorganizing where the user experience designers are sitting, integrating them deeper into the teams, and having a set of requirements for big projects, engineering development, that before we go into the actual creation of the product. And I came to our CTO and I pitched him this idea. And You just walked up to, I mean, you're like two, three years out of college. You just walked up to the CEO and said that? Yeah, I essentially, I, I booked some time with him and I said, I have this idea. And he didn't necessarily believe that it would succeed. Uh, they had tried integrating user experience before and it hadn't been super successful. But my thinking was, you can't just throw user experience onto a team. They need to know the users that they're developing for. They need to know the use cases that we're prioritizing. So rather than just have them immediately start creating, I created an entire set of training materials that we would use for anybody that we were onboarding to the teams, but then it was specifically created for the user experience to get them up and running. Before they would start doing any design work for us, uh, I wanted to make sure that they were actually up to snuff that the engineers would respect them. So I took that upon myself, and the acceptance criteria piece was a little bit easier to swallow. There's no real harm in doing upfront work to say what should be involved in a product when you're building it and what use cases should be involved and you know how this is going to affect other products and things like that that we weren't necessarily doing yet. Having that written down wasn't a hard sell. So he let me pilot this uh, with my product that I was on. At this point, I was already running the scrums for that product, which is the Agile Development Project Management. So that gave me the opportunity to really be in a driver's seat. Very cool. So you are in this almost dream job that you created for yourself at this company that sounds like a pretty epic place to work, given that they even let you do these things. At what point did you say, 
now I want to go and cough up a ton of money for an MBA. <laughs> and especially given that you then went to Michigan, which is not quite sunny, beautiful LA. So <laughs> tell me about what made you decide to go get your MBA. There were a few factors on that. First, I was always still an engineer there. Um, they didn't have the formal product manager title yet. And as a result, I could never fully give up my engineering role. They would need to have backfilled me, and it was something that I was having a lot of problems trying to get done. Uh, the other piece to that was I had in my mind shifted from thinking about what do we want to develop to what are customers asking for us to develop. And there was another step to that that I realized I didn't have developed yet of where is the world going and how do we meet it there? And I felt like pairing an MBA and understanding marketing and strategy and consumer research would be a powerful uh, addition to my engineering background. Great. So you start your MBA. I'm just curious with an engineering background, what was the most surprising thing about taking the classes in business school? With an engineering background, one nice thing is the classes are a lot easier than you're used to. <laughs> so you're saying business students aren't as smart as engineering students? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> the math that you're going to be doing is not nearly the math that you were doing in undergrad. Cool. Uh, the projects are not going to be as hard. There are a lot, but it's a different type of skill set that you're working on. It's more around collaboration and creativity. And it's, it's flexing a different part of your mind. But you won't have to expect the all-nighters in the library and coding up you know, these projects all through the night with Red Bulls and coffee that <laughs> you did in undergrad. What about for the college students out there who are studying software engineering, want to become a product manager? Maybe they feel like they can't get it right out of college, but they definitely don't want to get an MBA. I mean, that's a lot of money if you can't get a scholarship and so on. So what about those guys and women? What, what advice do you have for them? To people who are trying to get into product and out of engineering, the first step is a product manager in what they're doing needs to be able to influence people. So think of yourself as the product that you're trying to get there and really take a focus on the skills you need to get and take a step back to how you can get them. You know, take on new projects, uh, do things, you know, think of having the extra 20% time be really in control of your career. And, what if, what if you're at a company that doesn't allow that? Not everyone's as cool as Laserfish seems to be. A big thing is to just be honest and open with your managers. A lot of people just take for granted that they can't do things without ever asking or trying. And in the end, no one's going to give you the career you want unless you put yourself out there to get it. And if you're in a position where you are an engineer and you don't see any opportunities to go beyond engineering, switch. Like That's... Always in your possible, always in your potential. It's always possible for you to go somewhere else. So, especially as an engineer, where you're in a very desired role, being open, trying to find a new company, maybe something smaller where they're a little bit more nimble and you can take on more of the stack, that that'll help you to be able to develop those skill sets. Yeah. So. I know that you had an internship after your first year as an MBA at Amazon where you were a technical PM, a technical product manager intern. And 
I feel like a lot of my friends dream of being PMs, but a lot of the companies want a more technical background. So it seems like that would have been a really big advantage that you had over some of the other MBAs who might have dreamed of working at Amazon but just didn't have that technical background. Talk to me a little bit about how you got that internship. Amazon is a big hirer of MBAs in general. Uh, they hire a lot of MBAs every year. And there's two different types of product managers there. There's the technical product manager and the product manager the technical product manager is a little closer to what you would think of as a typical product manager in that you're sitting with engineers. And for that, you do need the technical background. Uh, the product manager will still be running product roadmaps and, and things like that, but they're probably more likely to sit with marketing. So that would be the, the difference there, and that's what that engineering background did. I'd also say that it gave me a leg up in interviews and things that I could talk about that it separates you a little bit more from a lot of people trying to get into technology that don't understand how technology is actually built. Hmm. So you went back to your MBA. You decided you didn't want to take uh, the technical PM job route right after college, uh, right after graduating from your MBA. And instead, you went into Verizon in New York, which is where we met, um, and you took more of a strategic product uh, kind of path. Talk to me a little bit about how you made that entry and uh, what product partnerships was like at Verizon. I was always going back and forth as to whether I wanted to do product management or venture capital. And to me, this role with Verizon was a little bit of a hybrid of each. So I was looking at big technological changes. and Like what? Conversational AI, what does that mean to Verizon? Cool. Um, blockchain, uh, 5G, all of these areas I would look at and try to understand what assets does Verizon have and what could we build on them to create an advantage for us in the market. And it combined that product piece to me with also creating a thesis around emerging technologies and trying to paint a vision for where we're going to go. And that was really attractive to me. And also let me kind of kick the can down the road on making the decision of venture versus product. Great. Um, and then you went to uh, Google as a product manager. So I, I'm curious, in terms of advice that you have for college students who reach out, maybe college students who are studying software engineering or, or computer science um, or math, I know you get a lot of uh, emails because you're an alum at UCLA and Michigan. You get a lot of emails from current students uh, at both. What's the advice you typically give them for if they want to go the product partnerships or the product management side, but currently are studying something more technical or in their MBA, you know, maybe had a similar background to you? The first advice is to think of what are the skills that you'll need to be successful in that role because those are going to be the skills that they're looking for when they're hiring. In product, for instance, if you're an engineer, you have skills like being analytical and understanding how products get built that you can clearly demonstrate from your work experience already. And the skills that you'll need to work on are more around analyzing markets or uh, customer research. So trying to pair and think about how you can develop the skills that you don't have to give yourself that resume that checks all of those boxes is usually where I start. And getting into their resume and understanding, okay, you've really doubled down on these pieces. How can you start to fill in the next pieces with the roles that 
you could get next? Or can you take on some of these side projects? Is there an internship program where you can try to develop some of these skills like what I had done? Can you do some advising to startups locally that will take some free advice from you to give you an opportunity to do a little bit more market analysis? Things like that that let you show a potential employer that you're willing to learn and get hands-on and that you do have pieces of the experience that they need to, to make up that whole picture. Great. And in terms of different product management paths that there are, so let's say I'm a computer science student and I decide, you know what, I want to just become a PM right out of college. What are some of the different product management paths that exist? Is there, you talked a little bit about how there's more technical. So put Amazon aside just in general. How should a student think about that? Yeah. And this product management and venture capital, which were the two things I was looking at, both have non-traditional routes into them. So they're both careers that y you can think about as really a journey on how you get there. So some people will go directly into product management, and some people can even go directly into venture with an analyst role. But most people have to figure out how to develop those skills that you need. So if you wanted to go directly into product, you really do need that technical background most of the time. And a great way to do it would be something like Google and an APM program where they really take the hands-on approach to train you as a product manager. Because realistically, you're not going to have all of the skills you need directly out of college. And product is a role where you're, you need to be respected and trusted by a lot of people. And it's hard to have that trust and respect, no matter how talented you are, as a, a 21-year-old trying to tell 35-year-old engineers what they should be building. So that's great. So now let's say I'm a computer science student and I know the path I want to take, product management. What are the different types of PM roles out there that I should be thinking about and how should I think about them differently? Yeah, there's a lot of different types of product managers. So it depends on the size of the company that you're in uh, as well as where you're sitting within that company. So Take a small startup, for example. As the product manager, you could be the only product manager, which means you're really setting the vision for the entire product for the company. And that can be everything from you know, how users are going to interact with it, being in charge of growth, right? Uh, you, you know, setting the next the roadmap for the next year of features, the next epic features that you should be releasing. And then there's the one step up where maybe this is, Series B, Series C company, and they have three to five product managers. And there you own a full product end-to-end. -end. So you have a lot of power over your product and a lot of reach uh, and typically are a very respected role within that organization. I've heard of Series C companies that do a leadership offsite and they invite executives and product managers. Like That's the level of respect within the organization in there. And then there's the Googles and the Amazons where you're more likely to own something that's touching a lot of people, but you're owning a smaller piece of it. Um, it's possible that you can be in a growth product and own something end-to-end -end that's actually really, really big. But most people will own something more like the Android lock screen or, you know, copy paste across all products and i can't be... imagine having my whole full-time job be the lock screen on android or 
copy and paste. You, you may think that, but at the same time, if you think about the number of people and the number of times per day they're interacting with your product. So it, true. I, there, and there's a lot to be done with an Android lock screen, knowing where you are and what time of day it is and what interactions that they should give you. There's really endless possibilities on how they can make it a better product for you. And specifically on that personalization piece, making it more you can really lock you into wanting to keep an Android. So it's actually, while you may think that it's a small piece, the fact that you're having, you know, what 90 interactions with your phone a day and call it a billion people on Android, it's a, it's a really important product. Yeah, that's huge. So this has been awesome. I feel like I learned personally a lot and definitely have a newfound respect for the product managers at WayUp, who I already respected a lot. Um, but I would love to move on to our final segment of the show, which is the lightning round. So I'm going to ask you questions and you have to answer them as quickly as you can. Ready? Yes. Morning classes or night classes? Night. Written notes or laptop? Written. Coffee or Red Bull? Coffee. Go-to late-night food? Curly fries. Good one. Code complete weeks in advance or last-minute cramming? Last-minute. Java or Python? Java. Most memorable rejection? I was certain I was getting a dream venture capital job that I did not get while I was in the middle of a group project, which was really made me effective for the rest of that group project. <laughs> but then you got the PM, you know, then you got to become a PM at Google. So exactly. there you go. Go-to pump-up song? Eye of the Tiger. That's boring. <laughs> I love that. Favorite project you've ever worked on? Sports innovation for Verizon. What was your dream job in college? Probably Google product manager. Really? Not even like chemical engineer since you started with that? No, I didn't. Once I realized what chemical engineers do, I did not want to do that. <laughs> is your phone carrier still Verizon? It is. I know you were an associate at Techstars. What was the coolest company you worked with at Techstars? Cargo. They're in New York and just raised a lot of money. Uh, they essentially put vending machines into Ubers. And that was during your MBA that right after your MBA that you were at Techstars, right? Right. Very cool. And final lightning round question. How can our listeners follow you? I'm a very not active tweeter uh, at Matt Ross at Ross. So at Matt Ross at Ross. Yes. I do some writing sometimes on Medium. So you could find me at futurefunders.vc. Thank you so much for joining. This was great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning into this episode. Now it's your turn. You've heard about some diverse career paths on this podcast. Now it's time to find your own. Check out wayup.com to search for job and internship opportunities, access up-to-date career advice, and connect with some amazing employers. After all, it's our job to help you on your way up.